Welcome to Meet the Developer at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome tonight's guest moderator from Empire Magazine, Chris Hewitt. Hey everyone. Thanks so much for coming. As I'm sure you know, if you're here, you're Kubrick fans, that uh, Full Metal Jacket was Stanley Kubrick's astonishing movie about the, about the Vietnam War, and it clearly had an impact on his lead, Matthew Modine. A few years ago, he took the making of a diary that he maintained during the shooting of the film and turned it into a fantastic book, a limited edition book, and now he's turned that into an award-winning, magnificent iPad app. Before we meet Matthew and find out more about the app, let's take a look at the trailer. What was Stanley like? If you knew Stanley, you'd understand why it's hard to talk about him. If you knew him, you'd appreciate the art of keeping your cards close to your chest, or how a game of chess can tell you more about a guy than he can about himself. Was he a genius? How would I know? But what I can say is that Kubrick, in every sense and in every definition of the word, was an artist. No question about that. He lived and breathed his art. What you don't know is that art included his family, his pets, his home, and his friends. Kind of in that order. Welcome to Full Metal Jacket Diary. And please welcome Matthew Modine. Sit on the microphone. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so, welcome, Matthew. Welcome back to London. Thank uh, you very much. And thank, you, thank you guys for coming out in the rain and, <laughs> and in a subway, subway uh, or tube, tube, tube strike. That's very generous of you. Very kind of you. Um, was this movie the, the singular experience of your movie-making life? Is this why you've, you've made a, you, wrote, you wrote a book about it and you've now turned this into an app? Does Full Metal Jacket stand out for you as the film of your career? I wouldn't want to say that because there, there's so many amazing filmmakers that I've worked with um, that are still alive and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and would get really upset if I said that that was... But there, there's no question um, that the impact that Full Metal Jacket has had on my life, my career, uh, is, is immeasurable. You know, it's, uh, it's an extraordinary film and, and it's a testament to, to Stanley Kubrick and his art. Uh, that, that the film continues to have a relevance today. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's so many films that get made that, that uh, are kind of disposable, and we forget about them after a short period of time. And I think that you find with almost every single one of Stanley Kubrick's films that they, they do stand the test of time and continue mm. to have relevance and become even more significant as time goes by. Uh, before we talk more about the film, and I suspect we're going to get a lot of good questions about the film from this audience, um, Let's talk about the app itself and where it came from. Because you maintained a diary during the making of the movie. Was that uh, off your own, own, own back necessarily, or did Stanley encourage you to, to do that? Well, you know, I was playing a journalist in the film, and I, I uh, was given a, a small diary as a prop to, to, to uh, carry around while I was working, and, um, which I started scribbling notes in. And as, as, as time would go by, I, I started... Uh, my grandmother always encouraged me to keep a diary and uh, she said to help you understand who you are and, and, and understand the passage of time. So I, I, I was someone who kept journals, um, and so it was, it was a natural thing to do. And then as a journalist in the film, it was, it was something that seemed 
like a good a good idea to 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 do, and yeah. But Stanley certainly didn't discourage it, and and there were there were several times during the the the, the filming that he asked me to read my diary out loud and and share <laughs> some of the uh, some of the things that were inside of the diary, and which was good because it 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 forced me to uh, be accurate and to. Um, try to you know keep it interesting you know because <laughs> if, if he asked me to read it you don't want people going like this is the stupidest most boring diary I've ever heard in my life <laughs> you know there were uh, there's a passage in the uh, in the uh, diary where you and Stanley had a falling out did you read any of those passages out to him at the, that time when you broke his rule so to speak uh, no no I no no so. I didn't yeah. share any of that with him no um, the, the, the rule that he's talking about is that, that Stanley, very early on in the filming, he invited me into his Winnebago and he was making some coffee and he said, I have a rule that there's no bad ideas. So if I, if I, if I make a suggestion, don't, don't say, well, that's stupid, that would never work because <laughs> it's non-productive. You know, what, what would be the, the sense of saying that something? He said, so don't say that. What, we, what the rule is, is that we'll share information and if you don't think it's a good idea say or we could do this or we could try that but don't say it's dumb or don't say it's stupid non-productive and and in the diary if if you read it you see uh, that I I broke the rule it's it's a it's a it's a longer story but it's a good one I broke that rule and I actually uh, I swore and 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 uh, at him because I thought but it's a it's a good story. It's in the diary. <laughs> and the uh, the uh, the diary itself. At what point did that become the book, the Full Metal Jacket Diary? <clears throat> well, I had this uh, medium format Rolleiflex camera that that uh, a friend of mine had given me as a as a, as a present to go to London. He said, you know, Stanley Kubrick has this tremendous uh, background in still photography. So if you learn how to master this Rolleiflex medium format camera and show up on the set, you know, with it around your neck and uh, kind of show it to Stanley, he'll, he'll be impressed because you know how to use a really beautiful piece of art camera. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I showed up early on in the rehearsals with this Rolleiflex camera and was kind of trying to show it to Stanley. And he finally looked at me and he said, what are you doing with that old piece of shit? <laughs> and and I, I said, w uh, what, what do you mean? This is a Rolleiflex camera. This is a great camera. And he said, he goes, yeah, it's a good camera, but there's better. And, and, he, and he talked me into buying this uh, new camera that had come out of Minolta with lots of bells and whistles and automatic focus. And it was something he'd clearly uh, researched. And he said, that's the camera. If you're going to take pictures on my set, that's the camera you should have. And so he sent Leon Vitali, his assistant, to, uh, to go out and get one for me and I started using it but I, I didn't I didn't like it I didn't like how the camera worked and functioned but I fell in love with this this medium format Rolleiflex camera which uh, you know is the camera that I use to take uh, uh, most of the, the the pictures that are in the film there are some of the 35 millimeter ones but mostly the medium format and I'd just like to take a second to acknowledge somebody who's a great contributor to the diary that fella there uh, stand up for a second, Tony. <laughs> just, just get stand up so they can see who you are. That's Tony Hayes, and and Tony Hayes was uh, was in the film from from the beginning to the end. He was he was a uh, he was a soldier in Vietnam. He was also in boot camp, and uh, he he contributed for the app for uh, some really beautiful photographs 
that he took on set, which Jan Harlan's here on the front row, and you didn't have permission to take pictures, so you're going to be arrested and nicked when you go. <laughs> <laughs> you also have some Polaroids that Stanley took on set yeah, in the app as yeah, well. Yeah, there's a couple Polaroids. That Stanley would still use uh, uh, an old Polaroid camera, a land camera, the ones where you pull, pull the film out of the side and then you let it develop and peel them open. Uh, for exposure tests, mm. and uh, he gave he gave me a couple of those uh, those exposure tests. Th those are in the app, uh, which is not in the book in the Full Metal Jacket Diary book. But those those are extras that were added to the Full Metal Jacket Diary. Absolutely. So the the book comes out a few years ago. It's a limited edition, twenty thousand copies. Twenty thousand. Is that correct? Uh, at what point then did the app rear into view? Well, I mean, that's, that's one of the wonderful things about being in the Apple store and the <laughs> Steve Jobs' idea that, that uh, the, these kind of talks about things that are made on a Mac. And this book not only was made on a Mac, but the, the inception, the, the idea for the, the Full Metal Jacket Diary app, iPad app, was, was generated from somebody who I think is a, is a real genius. His name is Adam Rakoff, and he's not one of the geniuses at the Genius Bar. <laughs> he's an he's a actual genius, uh, Adam Rakoff. Uh, These guys are geniuses too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're really smart guys that know how to fix computers. Act, fix, fix a Mac. But Adam Rakoff, uh, he, he loved the book, and he knew that the book was only 20,000 copies and that it, the book had sold out really quickly. And he said, what w how would you feel if we turned your book into an app? And I said, what do you mean, turn it into an app? He goes, well, we'd do something uh, quite extraordinary. We'll, we'll take your book, and you'll read it, and then we'll do uh, sound effects. We'll create a new uh, audio, I mean, uh, music. Mu we'll generate new music for, yeah. the, for the film, for the book. Um, then we'll take all the images that you took in the film, the negatives, and we'll do high-res scans of them and so that people can open them up on an iPad and be able to look at details that, that you wouldn't be able to see from just looking at a, at a photograph in a book. And, uh, and, and we'll create something that'll be really extraordinary. And, and I said, well, wow, that sounds really great. Can we do it? He said, yeah, I, I think so, because it never been done before. It's what we call an appumentary. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, I'll do it, but with the understanding that what we create has to be something that Kubrick and the, and the Kubrick estate would be uh, pr proud of. Be to have that standard of excellence that, that Stanley Kubrick would look at it and say, this is something extraordinary, this is something beautiful and unique. So did you uh, collaborate with the Kubrick estate all the way through the making of the app, just to clear well, things? I, did, I didn't have to. They, they've adopted me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an adopted son of Jan Harlan and Christian. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm still friend, very good friends with Stanley Kubrick's daughter, who's yeah. an extraordinary human being and, and did, uh, under a, a pseudonym, Abigail Mead did the music for Full Metal Jacket, mm. um, and of course that's Stanley's daughter, and she's brilliant. And there's another documentary that you can see, and I think it's one of the most interesting documentaries. Well, it, it is one of the most interesting, it's not the most interesting, about the making of The Shining. Um, has anybody ever seen that documentary? Yeah, it's qu quite extraordinary. And Vivian was 15 years old, 14 years old when she, when she, when she made that uh, documentary. And I think that what I love about the film is that they never expose the magic, that they always 
show the rehearsal kind of process, and as soon as you get to the point where you might see somebody acting from an angle other mm -hmm. than what you see in the film, you cut, to, you cut to the film. So they never show the magic of filmmaking. They, sh they show a process, but they never, they never show you the hand. You know, it's, they, they, they reserve the magic that is, uh, that is Stanley's secret. You know, that's wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, we have a demo of the app. It's about a two and a half minute demo. Do uh, you want to talk through some things that are playing on this as the demo goes on? Oh, we'll just see how it goes. We'll let's, see how uh, it goes. let's have a look at the demo. Thanks. Welcome to Full Metal Jacket Diary. September 1st, 1985. Most directors use little lens finders when setting up a shot. Then, they imagine what the shot will look like with the actual lens they plan to use. Lens finders have worked for a lot of great directors, but not for Stanley. For Stanley, the lens finder wasn't enough. He needs to see the shot as it will be. Observational diary. Subject, R. Lee Ermey. It is a, it's, a, it's a beautiful app. I mean, how closely involved were you with Adam on the design? Did he keep you brief? Did he keep you involved as, the, as it progressed? Um, yeah, I mean, it was based on the design of the, of the, the book, the Full Metal Jacket Diary book, um, and then had to be re-envisioned into having that kind of experience to be something that was a deeply immersive experience. And... Um, it, it, it's never been done before. I mean, I, I don't know if I just said it, um, but we call it an appumentary. And um, there's a lot of filmmakers now that are studying how we made this this app and and, and, and thinking to use it like Christopher Nolan for, for, for his films, for the Dark Knight Rises films, for Inception, because they have so much material that they like to share with audiences, and but they don't know how to sh how to do it. So they're looking at this and going, wow, this is really extraordinary. What, a, what an interesting way to continue to market a film, but also to give people that love, uh, love the film a an opportunity to learn more about the making of the film. You know the thing that's extraordinary about the iPad to me is that uh, Stan Lee and his art director, his team, envisioned uh, an iPad all the way back in 2001. 
Jan, Jan, Jan Harlan, how, what year is, is 2001? Sixty-eight. So, I mean, there's the on that trip from from Earth to the Moon, they're they're carrying uh, iPads. The woman is is sort of, you know, walking with those funny shoes, uh, <laughs> and carrying an iPad. So it's it's it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, it, in two thousand one is one of those rare science fiction films about space that still continues to look like it's the future. It, it you know you look at Star Wars now and it kind of looks, <laughs> you know the the, the What's, it, what's the name of the spaceship that Han Solo the Millennium flies? Falcon. The Millennium yeah. Falcon kind of looks like a joke. I mean, it looks kind of silly. <laughs> it looks, looks like it was made with plastic tubes, and which no, it was. Well, now you get yeah. the sacrilegious territory. I'm not. But this this man that I'm I'm referring to, Jan Harlan, is Stanley Kubrick's brother-in-law, and and we just give him a pl round of applause. Not only was his was he Stanley's brother-in-law, but he was his producing partner and and responsible for. I, mean, I don't know how many years you, how many films is from. Yeah, yeah. Sixty-nine, nineteen sixty-nine, all the way up through Eyes Wide Shut, and all the way now working with Steven Spielberg and and. And, and, and what's remarkable is, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see, uh, well, the, the stuff that's in the archive here in London at the university, but there's a tra traveling around the world is the Stanley Kubrick exhibition, which um, kind of broke records at the Los Angeles uh, Contemporary Museum of Art. It's been in Germany and, and uh, I mean, all... Uh, but 10 countries already. Ten and countries. the next stop will be, uh, last time it was in Sao Paulo. It's just closed there, and now it goes to Krakow. Krakow. And then in September in uh, Toronto. Yeah. And we are now working on Seoul and on Tokyo and yeah. in Delhi. Maybe, maybe one day it comes to London. Maybe Who one knows? day it will come to London, yeah. It was yeah. in Paris and yeah. Amsterdam yeah. and Rome and Berlin, yeah. but yeah, there you are. So but I got to say, the Los Angeles exhibition, in my opinion, has been the most beautifully art-directed. And I mean, the experience at the Museum of Modern Art in Los Angeles was extraordinary. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Two hundred and forty-two thousand visitors. Yeah, he's kind of popular. This Stanley <laughs> Kubrick guy. I think he's got a bright future. <laughs> yeah. Speaking I of which, I, I think we should keep him. <laughs> uh, let's take some questions from you guys now. If you have any questions at all for Matthew, just put your hands up and uh, right here, right in the front row. Thank you. Hello. Anyway. Hi, thank you for coming. I love your work. And I just wonder, um, what is the best feature in this application that you are most proud of and why? I love the picture that you saw of Stanley uh, smiling. You know, and, and, and just to the right side of that frame is, is his daughter Vivian, who was making a documentary about the making of Full Metal Jacket. And he was laughing because he said he felt like he was at a at a film premiere that I was taking pictures <laughs> and his daughter was filming him and he felt kind of silly and laughed and um, and he had such a wonderful laugh and such a beautiful smile and so uh, I, I like that photograph. Um, there's there's some photographs uh, with my wife that I really love that are in the, sh that there's, because we, that's my wife there on the front row. <laughs> um, her name's Carrie Modine. And and we've been married for thirty four years. 
<laughs> yeah. And you know, she still loves me because she brought me a uh, baked potato. That <laughs> she knew I hadn't eaten. She brought me a baked potato. You know that's real love. If you want to get a guy, bring him a baked potato. Yeah. Any particular topping or just a baked potato? <laughs> just, no, it was just a baked potato. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Yeah, it was that's naked. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah. a jacket, and it was in its jacket. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, not a full metal one, presumably. Yeah. Uh, I believe you, sir. Yes, thank you. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Uh, when you first saw the film for the very first time, what was going through your mind, and did you recognize any other takes out of the m many takes that were used? I think the first time I saw the film, I couldn't breathe. I mean, it was it was such an extraordinary uh, experience. You know, it was s such a powerful movie. I saw it in New York City on Third Avenue, across the street from Bloomingdale's, and uh, that those theaters are gone now. Um, but it was it was a it was a real punch in the stomach. You know, it's it's such a powerful film, and I I think the the thing that I was really confused by was the, the when I when Joker makes that decision to take the young Vietnamese girl's life. Um, there was something very specific that I wanted to accomplish with that film. I wanted to I wanted the audience to feel the death of that girl. I wanted the audience to feel the responsibility of taking another person's life. You know, that it was nothing heroic. There was nothing beautiful. There was nothing. Uh, that I wanted to splash blood on the audience. And, and Stanley and I talked about it. And uh, when I saw that, I, f I felt that he must have done something. He must have slowed down the film or something. And I called him and he said, no, that was, I didn't do anything. It's just, it's all you. And, and I think that we accomplished that, 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 that war is such a terrible thing. It's such a terrible solution to a problem. You know, it doesn't really ever solve the problem. It creates greater problems. And, and um, it, uh, for me, if I, when I look at it, 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 it Stanley Kubrick's films, where they're ab about Paths of Glory or, or Doctor Strangelove or Full Metal Jacket, but in each of his films, you know, he's often criticized for being uh, cold, a cold filmmaker, and and I don't feel that at all. I think that he's he's very warm and personable and honest. That that he's not looking at world and life through a kind of filtered lens, but looking at it with a very honest. Uh, surgical kind of necessity that we need to look at ourselves that if we continue to solve problems with violence then this great experiment that we call humanity is destined to fail and and i i think that with each of his films there's there's tremendous humanity in his films uh, again this is in the app it's covered in the app but uh, that ending proved quite problematic didn't it? it it took a long time to film it went through several iterations I don't know if you can talk about that and how difficult it was. Yeah. Well, uh, he's talking about the end after I shoot this, the sniper, yeah. presumably. Um, uh, after I sh make that decision to take the girl's life, uh, Adam Baldwin, who played Animal Mother, he has a machete on his back, which was he carried the entire film for this purpose, was that he took the machete out. And the, the, the people, if you remember in the film, they're, they're saying, wow, Joker, you're hard. You're born again hard. And he gets jealous about the fact that they're, that they're saying that I'm, I've done something you know, that they couldn't do. And he takes the machete out and he chops the girl's head off and, and uh, you know, holds it up into each of our faces like the Medusa and says, hard, who's hard now, motherfuckers? And throws it over his shoulder. And, and it was too much. It was, uh, it was, it was inappropriate. It, w it wasn't, I mean, it was good that we filmed it bec because then you understand what you don't need. 
you know, that, that, but it was, it, was, it was too much. But it took a long time, and we've, but I, I, the, the funny thing, because I, I mentioned it took a long time, one of the things that Stanley said about making films is he said, nobody would go up to Mozart and say, hey, how long did it take you to write that song? Or, or <laughs> how long did it take you to write that book? Or you know, how long did it take you to write that, make that painting, Picasso? And he said, but somehow we've, we've, we asked that question of filmmakers, that, and it is an art form. It, it can be something that's just a commercial venture. But for him, it was, it was, it was a great art form, making films. And, and he's, he said, I don't know why people are so caught up with this, this thing about time. And, and that, well, you can shoot the movie in three months, or you can shoot it in six, or you can shoot it in the time that's necessary to tell a good story. And he, with a great producer like Jan, created an environment for making his films where I mean, in the case of Full Metal Jacket, I don't think that we were $10 million or $15 million. Uh, uh, he was very careful. He was a really good producer and kept the costs of making, film, making his films uh, a reasonable, at a reasonable rate. Hi. Um, just wondered whether the actors were allowed to improvise at all on set or whether Stanley Kubrick insisted that you all kept uh, the strict letter of the script. Well... You know, Leon said that uh, during the auditioning of the extras, I don't know if you, did, Tony, did you get auditioned by Lee Ermey? To, did you have to put yourself on tape with Lee Ermey yelling at you and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. So when that process was happening, they were using Lee Ermey to audition the people that were going to be the, terror the, the, the soldiers in Vietnam and the, and the guys in the boot camp. And Lee Ermey would get in their faces and, and yell at them. And, and so Stanley could look at their auditions and say, oh, I like him, I like him, let's take him. But while that was going on, Lee Ermey was, was saying things that he'd learned as a dr drill instructor in the United States Marine Corps, and there were very colorful things that he said. Um, <laughs> yeah, reach around is, is an extraordinary one. Um, uh, so they took the things that Lee Ermey said and, and had them transcribed and typed up, and, and then they went through and picked through. Leon said it was 1,500 pages of stuff that, that Lee Ermey <laughs> Dif different things <laughs> Lee Ermey said. I don't think that's possible. It could have been 1,500 pages, but I won't argue because I didn't see them. The problem was he couldn't repeat. Oh, yeah. Couldn't yes, he couldn't. Yeah. He said he, could, he couldn't repeat the, the, the... Well, go ahead. You have the microphone now. And, and once we decided to let him play the part, mm. which was well into him rehearsing it, you know, Leon then worked with him and said, OK, you've got to stick to this. Now, l let's write it down, learn the line, and don't vary it, otherwise you can't cut the film. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't a trained actor. He, he, was, you know, he was what he was. He's a, you know, a United States Marine. And whatever he was feeling at that particular moment, whatever he might have seen in a person's eyes, that's what he wanted to say. Like, you know, how tall are you? I didn't know they stacked shit that high, you know. <laughs> You're from Texas. Only steers and queers come from Texas. I mean, all that, all those kind of crazy things that he that he said. Um, but there, w th improvisation. It, it's it's funny because people th assume that because he was Stanley Kubrick that there was no deviation in the in the things. But but part of that create the the, the of ta how did you say it, Jan, just now that it takes time to make a movie. It takes. Well, uh, you know, was the quote when I said it is easy to make a film, but it's very hard to make a good yeah, film. Yeah. And a great film, 
I must say, time. it's almost a miracle. Like yeah. any great symphony, any great painting, any great novel, mm. it doesn't yeah. happen that easily. Yeah. You know, and uh, at the, for example, just the beginning of Full Metal Jacket is a, a concentration of unrealistic reality. Hmm. And in that respect, it's like Shakespeare. I mean, no, nobody would ever say, oh, Romeo and Juliet, it's totally unrealistic. They get married the next day. That's not the point. Hmm. Hmm. Y yes. <laughs> but there, there, there was a, a, an improvisational uh, method to the w of him trying to find... In, in Vivian's uh, documentary film, The Little Pieces That We Have... I'm in the trailer with Vincent D'Onofrio, and we're trying to figure out what to say in that final scene in the latrine when, when, drill, when the drill instructor gets shot. And Stanley says, I, I'm, I'm improvising dialogue, and Stanley says, it's the right emotion, it's the wrong, you know, it's too many words. So we, how do we take all those words and, and condense that into a, f a few words? Are those live rounds? Yes you know, full metal jacket, you know, so to, to, to find the right words is, is the trick, you know, so through the improvisation, you find the right way to effectively and, and, and economically tell the story. So what was that scene like, uh, scripted then, in the uh, latrine? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, uh, I don't Longer, know, yeah. presumably, yeah. Or uh, it was it was different. I yeah. mean, there was another scene that was that was changed quite dramatically when I meet uh, Adam Baldwin in the uh, in the pagoda in mm. Vietnam, and and he says uh, what was scripted was he says you you you're a combat photographer. You seen any combat? And I stick my uh, M16 under his chin, was, was scripted, and I say, look, man, I got twice as many hours in country as you. Get out of my face, or I'm gonna blow your fucking head off or something like that. And it was very kind of, if I, if I were Clint Eastwood, I could have pulled it off. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not Clint Eastwood. So Stanley said, it's not working. Let's go to the trailer and have a talk. And he said, you know, w what would you do back in Utah if some guy like Adam Baldwin came up and tried to make a fight with you? And I said, a guy like Adam Baldwin? I w I, I'd, I'd make a joke. Really? You'd make a joke? Yeah, I'd make a joke. Because a, a big guy like Adam Baldwin's not a threat. The guys that... I'd had trouble in my life with were little tough guys, fire plugs, guys like Arliss Howard that played cowboy. Those are the dangerous guys. Those are the guys that want to take off a big guy's head. So I would treat them differently. Really, you'd make a joke. And what, what kind of joke? And I said, well, you know, there's some great stuff in the book where, you know, the John Wayne lines, only after you eat the peanuts out of my shit. And, and, he, and so that, that, wor that, that scene came out of the fact that a scene that was scripted didn't work and I wasn't the right actor to to uh, to deliver the, the 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 scene as scripted, so it came through an improvisational process. I think we've got time for a couple of last questions. Uh, yes, once again, back in the front row. Thank you. Okay, so do you remember about the rule that you said you mentioned earlier? Yeah. Yeah. Kubrick's rule. Oh, yeah. the rule. Yeah. yeah. So I just wonder, what do you think about? Uh, building a community area within the application because I just experienced and you, know, you two were talking and people were engaged and you know like it's exciting so it's just wonder if you have some kind of like community area building in application so that people have the opportunity to share experience or comment or pictures you know it's make it more fun basically yeah. we, we talked about doing it um, I mean for instance like w with my friend Tony uh, that the interesting thing about the making of the film is, is I, I, uh, th what I want to call this area of the Full Metal Jacket Diary iPad app is f 
Full Metal Jacket Rashomon. Because Rashomon <laughs> is a, a, a film about how there's a, something happens and everybody has a different perspective and a different way of interpreting what it was that happened. And th this is the case with the film, that everybody that worked on the film has a different impression, a different story about how Lee Ermey got the job, for instance, you know, because he was, he was a technical adv advisor on the film who became, you know, they, they replaced the actor that was playing the part with Lee Ermey. Now, I have, a, I have my version of the story of what happened, and I've, I've heard, you know, met other actors that worked on the film, and everybody had a different interpretation, a different story about how Lee Ermey got the job, that he beat somebody up, that he, you know, that he, he always planned on taking the job away from this guy named Tim Colcheri. Um, you know, every, everybody, so th th that this kind of uh, yeah, dialogue of sharing ideas and experiences about what happened uh, is very interesting because everybody has a different perspective. So it's Full Metal Jacket, Rashomon, yeah. So could you go back and amend the app, perhaps, and include that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If the if the app is is successful, if you all go home and download the app tonight, uh, <laughs> smooth. I like it's it. It's on sale now too. I mean, it's uh, it you get the first chapter for free. Yeah. And then and then it's uh, I don't know how much it is in pounds. It's probably six pounds, seven pounds. Six ninety nine, I believe. Six ninety nine. Six ninety nine. Come on. <laughs> uh, and yes, please. There's a lady over here. Thank you. Hello. Um, do you think you could do um, a follow-up film to, um, as a returning veteran to, to Vietnam, either as the Joker or maybe the son of the Joker or do a similar thing to Jesus Was a Commie? Did you see Jesus Was a Commie? Yes, that, that was the one. Isn't it really good? Isn't it? I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. This is, uh, you know, communism has a particular kind of... Uh, uh, power in America, the word communism. It's evil, it's the antichrist, it's the destruction of the planet. And um, so I made this film called Jesus Was a Commie. That's um, really not about Jesus or communism, but it's about uh, humanity and about people working together to solve problems. That the problems that we face environmentally, politically, religiously, are, 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 are much bigger than the problems that, I mean, that, that it's a really good film. You can see it online for free. Jesus was a commie on a film annex, or if you just Google Jesus was a commie, Matthew Modine, you'll find the film. And follow me on Twitter, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you how, <laughs> yeah, Matthew Modine, at Matthew Modine, and, and I'll give you a link to, to it. And I'm really good on Twitter. I like responding. I think it's a fascinating, did I meet you on Twitter? Yeah? What's your hand, what's your name on Twitter? At 37 Films. How you doing, 37 Films? <laughs> uh, Is that your I real do, name? Right? I'm, really, I'm really good about responding. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife hates me for it because I'm always... She doesn't hate me, no. <laughs> it's interesting because Carrie thinks that, you know, she said this, and, and I always think about it, that, that John Lennon might still be alive if, he'd had a, uh, if Twitter would have existed at that time and ha he had an account. Because it's such a, such a great way for, for somebody like John Hinckley to be able to have the kind of experience that he wanted to have with, uh, I don't think I have any John Hinckley's, <laughs> but I might. You see, that's the interesting thing about it. And if I did, um, would I block them? <laughs> that's always the question, isn't it? Uh, and just to follow up on what the, la the uh, lady asked, um, yeah. would you ever consider, I mean, do, do actors consider what may have become of their characters after the yeah. film? <laughs> to get back to your question, yeah. yeah. Um, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, it could be the son of son of Joker, uh, which is a good title, son of Joker. Um, 
You know what? I, I told Stanley Kubrick, I said, we should call, because when people in, the Lo in London at that time, when they say, what's the movie you're making? I say, Full Metal Jacket. And they say, Bull Metal Bucket? No, <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. What's that? Full Metal Jacket. What is it? I said, well, it's a casing on a bullet. And you'd, ha you'd spend five minutes explaining the film to them, and they go, eh, it's not a good title. And so <laughs> I, I, I came up with Euthanasia. <laughs> Euthanasia. And, uh, but spelled Y-O-U-T-H, not, not euthanasia, E-U. I don't, don't ask me to spell it. Um, <laughs> and Stanley just looked at me like that was the stupidest thing. <laughs> he broke the rule. He broke the rule. He looked at me like that's, no, it's Full Metal Jacket's a good title is what he said. He didn't say it was stupid. He said it's uh, Full Metal Jacket is a good title. <laughs> and it is. I mean, how great is Full Metal Jacket? It's amazing. You know how many... We, we, this movie has become part of the zeitgeist of, uh, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many things that there's full metal yogurt, you know, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, it's just, it's been, you know, it's become part of the lexicon. Yeah. So many great lines have entered yeah. the, the zeitgeist as well. There yeah. when, when the film was coming out, there was the early stages of rap and there was two live crew and they, they made a song called, Oh, Me So Horny, Me Love You Long Time, <laughs> you know, and they, they sampled, they, do you know that? Y yeah. And they, they sampled a piece of, uh, they were Warner Brothers artists. They sampled a piece of the, the, of, uh, of the actress who said, oh, me so horny, me love you long time. And they, they put it in the song. And I mean, it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool to be a part of a film that's, that's, that's uh, part, of, uh, part of culture. And uh, I've got to let you go, Matthew, but did you keep the camera? Are you still using the camera? I still, still have writing diaries? I, still ha I, I had someone's, the, the, the camera that I had, I was staying in a little house making a movie, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, the real story, uh, here in London. And, you know, when people... See, I didn't know about pantomimes. See, <laughs> pantomime in America is Marcel Marceau. And, and I learned about English-British pantomime uh, because I'd say to people, I'm doing Jack and the Beanstalk, and they went, oh, I'm sorry. I said, <laughs> what are you sorry about? And they said, you're doing panto? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm doing a movie called Jack and the Beanstalk. It's a panto? <laughs> no. I'm and I, I, I d yeah, they thought that my career had gotten so bad that I was doing British pan <laughs> pantomimes. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what it meant. But uh, anyway, I was staying in Hampstead in a really nice neighborhood, and, and I had the camera at the window, and somebody took a cobblestone and put it through the window and stole my camera oh, bag and my passport. And yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But I got, a, I got a new one, but... There is something, and, and Stanley Kubrick knew this, that there's something about uh, lenses. Sometimes the person that makes the lens captures magic, and the lens has the ability to capture light in a way that other lenses don't. And the lens that was on the, the camera that I used on Full Metal Jacket was a magic piece of glass. It was a magic camera, and I've got a new Roloflex, and it just, it just doesn't have the magic that that, that one had. Oh, yeah. man. It's a shame, but would you do this... For any other film? Uh, I mean, make a diary. And make a diary or an appumentary, yeah. No, because I mean, one of the, lu the luxuries of making Full Metal Jacket was time. That, 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 that while Stanley was searching for his film and searching for the best way to tell his story, what it provided me with was the time to reflect on my own personal life, to reflect on the time that I was spending with my wife. Our child was born during the film. Uh, the, the experience of working with this great artist and, and having the ability to, to keep a diary and take those photographs, you don't have that, that opportunity on films today. I just yeah. finished a film in, in uh, Yorkshire between Harrogate and, and uh, York. Mm. And it was filmed in 22 days. 
Um, <laughs> a bit know, short diary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, there were, uh, there were scenes that we shot in Full Metal Jacket that were more than twenty-two days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ah! <laughs> 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 uh, speaking of time, I promised your wife I would let you go at some point this evening, so I will. That's all the time we have, I'm afraid. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks, Tony Hayes, for coming. Jan Harlan, and of course, Matthew Modine. Thank you so much. Thank you.